Well, good morning. I, uh, I hear there's something cool happening today. I, I, I got dressed this morning and I couldn't help, I, I felt just compelled to wear blue and gold today and I don't, I don't really know what came over me, but maybe, maybe somebody can, can speak to that later. I see some, looks like some of you had the same, Troy had the same compulsion and like it, I don't know what's going on, but certainly something to cheer about in life today. It's pretty exciting. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Graham. I'm the teaching pastor here at Elam Chapel, and uh, we've been in this series, and today is the second last Sunday in this series. I hope you've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it. I think we've covered some interesting and important topics, and uh, so today will be our second last one, and then uh, John Botkin is going to be closing us up next week, which I'm excited for. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into God's Word for today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together. Lord, we thank you that we can raise our voices in unison to you and in parts to you, too. It's, uh, it's beautiful to make music to your name, God. You're so good. You bring so much to our lives, God. You bring us joy. You bring us meaning. You bring us purpose. God, we need you. So, Lord, open our minds today. Open our hearts. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit to each one of us as you would have us learn Make us into your people. In your name we pray. Amen. So today is part six of our series on the meaning of life. And as we've gone through this series, we've been following the outline of a human life in order to give us a framework for our themes. And as I mentioned, today is our second to last topic. And this week, we are in the stage of life which we call retirement. Can I get a cheer from my retirees? Was that a boo? (laughs) Our topic today is the meaning of life as it pertains to joy, enjoyment, pleasure, fun, in short, good things. As with many of the topics in our series, the topic today is not exclusive to the stage of life that we've associated, right? It's not as if fun doesn't happen in childhood or in teenage or in young adulthood or middle age for that matter. Certainly, there's even an argument to be made that you might be having more fun in those other times of your life than even in retirement. But those other stages of life are often more so about other things, right? There might be a lot of fun happening, but it's not what that stage of life is about. It might be in a stage of life that is about work or about family or education. And the fun is almost a byproduct. Retirement, on the other hand, is that part of life that we work towards for the express purpose of being able to take it easy, to enjoy, and to focus on what we choose rather than on the things that are necessities. Now, I do want to say that there are a whole bunch of words that we could use, and they all refer to the same thing that we're talking about today, though perhaps some of the words have some different nuance. For sure, we could talk about the difference between, say, happiness and joy, that happiness comes from happenings and that joy is a choice, that sort of thing. But for the purposes of today, we're going to lump all those ideas as the same thing. Fun, enjoyment, happiness, pleasure, and maybe some other words that you're more likely to find in the biblical text, like rejoicing, delight, joy. For today, we're going to blend all those words up And we're just going to look at them as a whole as they relate to the meaning of life. 
And so, to that end, I want to quickly say that pleasure is by no means condemned by the Bible. Pleasure isn't bad. In fact, the Bible is pro-pleasure in virtually all its forms. But the Bible is also very concerned about abuse. Sleep is a, is a, let's compare it to the idea of sleep or rest. Is sleep bad? No, of course not. But in Proverbs 24, verse 33, we read, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. This sure sounds like the Bible is warning against the dangers of sleep, but not really, right? Because we also read in Psalm 127.2, or verse 2.2, in Psalm 127, verse 2, that God grants sleep to those that he loves. Sleep is also a reward. So the problem isn't rest, it's resting at the wrong time, or instead of doing what you need to do, right? So we do need to be careful and recognize that that also is how the Bible speaks of pleasure. Now, fun, despite the idea that it is fun, right, and the thing that we're after most of the time, can sometimes get a bad rap, especially among grown-ups. So you see, kids are all about fun. But when adults decide to be all about fun, bad things happen, right? Right? Adults who neglect their responsibilities, who make choices motivated by the quickest path to pleasure or convenience, end up disaster human beings. Right? Right? So fun and people who care about fun are often viewed as dangerous, as flirting with sin and destruction. But on the flip side, there is also a great danger in the opposite excess of people who never engage in fun and don't seem to enjoy life at all. Of course, there is great virtue in taking on your responsibilities of working, of caring for our families and the people around us. But at this point, the reputation of Christians isn't of people who are responsible. It's of people who reject fun. Think of how many of our cultural Christian taboos are associated with fun. Drinking alcohol at all, not even to excess, which the Bible does condemn, but simply drinking any of it. Dancing, playing cards, not even gambling, just the act of playing with cards at all. I wonder if you can come up with any other ones, but tell me after the service, or put it in the chat if you're online. You look at some of these people, and (laughs) they don't even have laugh lines on their faces, right? Like, they're just dour all the time. Is this what Paul was talking about when he said to rejoice in the Lord always in Philippians 4.4? Is this what Nehemiah was getting at when he told the people that the joy of the Lord is their strength in Nehemiah 8.10? Not to mention, like, just to get really practical, what kind of witness is it to the world when Christians live this joyless life devoid of smile or laughter? Hey, want to be a Christian? We're sad all the time, except when we're mad because of politics or theological differences. Gee, no thanks. (laughs) Now, I exaggerate somewhat. 
I also encourage you not to take this message by itself, right? Our emphasis today is on the importance and goodness of fun and pleasure, but we have spent weeks sharing on the rightness and goodness of work, of family, of worship, of all the rest. So if it sounds like today's message is a little too extreme for you, just remember that it is part of attention and not the final word on meaning in life. I'd also like to point out that the pursuit of fun and joy is something that intersects pretty strongly with some of the other areas that we have seen meaning in life. Just the idea alone of taking pleasure and satisfaction in a job well done already elevates this idea significantly. But when you add on the way that fun can build relationships, it takes on a whole new meaning. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 16 known as the parable of the shrewd manager. It's a very odd story because the hero of the story is a corrupt official who is discovered and spends the last vestiges of his power further defrauding his master in hopes of creating goodwill amongst the master's neighbors and thereby securing the manager's own future. Like, this is not a good guy. Right? This is not a parable about appropriate managerial or accounting practices. But the lesson is fascinating. In Luke chapter 16, verse 9, Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What Jesus is encouraging us to do is use the mundane parts of life in order to make an eternal difference. Remember, do you remember what we said is what is meaningful? How do we find meaning? The really, really short version was that it was that which lasts. And there are two things that last, God and people. And when we use fun to build relationships with people, we are doing something meaningful and lasting. Think about your best friend in the whole world, the person that you can share with when you're at your lowest point or going through something difficult. I bet your relationship didn't start that way. I bet your relationship was built on a foundation of fun, however you happen to define it, whether it's watching sports or The Bachelor, whether it's knitting or working on motorcycles, whether it's board games or crafts or jokes or food, there is almost always pleasure and fun that is foundational to these core relationships. Because we like being around people that we like being around. Is that so weird? And I also love that fun and pleasure and joy are words that we get to associate with God and worship. Can you imagine if church and prayer and reading the Bible were just chores? Like that if there was no fun to be had there at all? I know, some of us don't have to imagine. And for, for some of us, it really is that way. And for those who are, I applaud your dedication to have come so far in such a difficult way. For this to not be fun for you, but that you've stuck with it, is fantastic. But it also doesn't have to be that way. At the start of this series, we talked about the Westminster Shorter Catechism and what it says about the meaning of life. Now, Tom may be my hero if he managed to get this up on the screen, but we were having some technical trouble. We read in this document, what is the chief end of man? And that the answer is that man's chief end is to glorify God 
and to enjoy Him forever. Our first week in this series, we asked these questions in response. Do you enjoy God? Do you take pleasure in your time with Him? Is church a source of joy and peace in your life? Because we are supposed to enjoy God. Being in God's presence, if you are right before Him by the blood of Jesus, is supposed to be a positive, beautiful, virtually ecstatic experience. He's God. It's a, he's supposed to be a lot. And which brings me that another aspect that we can bring into this discussion is beauty. God created a beautiful world. Over and over in Genesis 1, God calls what he creates good. And as he finishes, he calls the whole thing very good. God takes pleasure in what he has created. But not only that, we take pleasure in it, and we're supposed to. There is meaning in the beauty of the sunset. There is meaning in a Monet or a Rembrandt or a beautiful piece of stained glass. The beauty that we create, the beauty that we enjoy, taps into something greater than ourselves. So we can summarize all of this to say that fun and joy are an intended part of life. And they touch on many of the obviously good things in life, such as relationships, worship, and beauty. But let's talk about three specific and practical ways that fun lends meaning to our life. First, let's talk about fun as hope. We've already talked about retirement and the idea that this is a stage of our life where we get to take it easy and enjoy. Now, some of you may want to correct my thinking on this. Please don't. Retirement is something to look forward to. Fun is something to look forward to. It gives us hope when we are struggling, when life is demanding and responsibilities crush everything else out of our lives. We can still look forward to enjoyment and taking joy in all the different parts of life. And I want to say that when we embrace joy, when we experience fun, when we take pleasure in God's presence and in the fullness of relationships and the satisfaction of a job well done, that we are only glimpsing the goodness that awaits us in heaven. When we stand before God fully, when we walk the recreated earth, we will experience joy as never before. And our joy that we experience today is but a taste of that. It is hope. Secondly, and this is a bit of a weird one, let's talk about fun as obedience. Now, we've already said plenty about the importance of dealing with responsibilities first, that fun and pleasure are not the driving force of our lives. It's dessert, not the meal. But did you know that God commands you to eat dessert? Well, the metaphorical dessert, anyway. In the Law of Moses, as the people of Israel are coming out of slavery in Egypt and into the freedom of the Promised Land, God gives them some curious commands. One of them is the Sabbath, which is the command to not work one day a week. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 12, we read, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a commandment to the Lord your God or as a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, 
Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. God's command is to take a day off. Stop working, stop striving, just enjoy. I really like the phrase, we are human beings, not human doings. And I confess that I really struggle with this in my own life. It is hard to take a day off. Amen? Now, don't get me wrong, I take plenty of time off in between. I find time to rest and enjoy and breathe, but rarely can I find a full day. But God hasn't only commanded us to take a day off. He commands you to take a vacation. Amen? This is a little bit buried, but hear me out. In Deuteronomy 14, starting in verse 22, we read, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, here comes the tithe. No, listen. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. But if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver. And take the silver with you and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. So get this. God commands Israel to set aside a part of everything that they make, a tithe, a tenth, all of their income, a tenth of their income, and save it. And then God commands them to eat it. Not give it away, not give it to the temple or the poor. You eat the tithe. There are multiple tithes in the Bible. So this is not the temple tithe. This is a different one. And where are you supposed to eat it and when? When you attend a festival, which will be in Jerusalem, but at this point that hadn't been established yet, right? So you can kind of fill in that blank if you want to. But if you didn't live in Jerusalem, which, let's face it, you probably wouldn't, then you were expected to travel there. This is 100% a vacation. Like, I I don't know how else you would describe this. It's not Fiji or Phoenix or Palm Springs, granted. And again, we see the mixing of worship and pleasure in God's commands, which is still super cool to me. But this is absolutely God commanding a vacation. Now, we're no longer commanded to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. In fact, we can worship wherever we are. Is this a command to go on vacation? If nothing else, you are being commanded to take pleasure in life. You are commanded to enjoy the fruit of your labor, to rejoice in God's creation, and delight in your family. Fun is obedience. And finally, I want to talk about fun as relief. Life is hard. Do you remember the words of Dread Pirate Roberts from last week? Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who tells you differently is selling something. 
And I want to use a bit of humor because this is really serious. Life can be incredibly brutal. Think of the children right now in Israel, Palestine, or the Ukraine, or any other conflict zone around the world for that matter. They don't deserve that, any of it. Some will die or be maimed. Many will lose parents or family members. Virtually all will be traumatized by what they've had to witness. And we don't have to go that far to find it. Many of you have been through horrific life circumstances. And we have all suffered in various ways, at various degrees, but we have all suffered. And when that happens, when the road dips and you find yourself walking through the valley, and maybe you've been in that valley a long time, a moment of fun can be a lifeline. Now, I don't mean to say that we should be frivolous or treat serious circumstances lightly, but as difficult as life is, life is also beautiful. God made a beautiful world, and that beauty shows up in the darkest places as much as in the light. Something as simple as the laughter of a child, the affection of a pet, or the beauty of nature can provide us with the briefest of respites from everything that happens to us. Beauty and life and joy are oases in the desert. They are islands in the ocean of suffering. And when God gives you those moments, take them. Breathe. Remember, God is with you. These little moments can be a reminder of that. And he speaks to us in all kinds of different ways. So don't limit yourself in the way that he can. So enjoy. See the meaning in life, in beauty, in fun. See how pleasure can carry us through difficult circumstances, how we can honor God with our play, and how it gives us insight into the hope yet to come. Let's pray. Lord God, you are so good. You are so good that you invented fun, which feels weird. It feels like a weird thought because that is not how we usually think of you. But Lord, you delight in us. You delight in your world, and you delight when we turn to you, when we love one another. God, there's so much good in this world. Help us to see it. God, help us to see you, especially in the dark times, God. Help us to hear your whispered words of love in those difficult times. And Lord, bless us this week. Bless us not only in our work and in our relationships, bless us in our play. Meet us there, God. Give us that joy. Give us that peace that surpasses all understanding. Give us rest in those moments, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We couldn't do this without you, God. Thank you for all that you give us. In your name we pray. Amen.